there's few things in our lives that make the impact or the impression any more than a cross than Calvary. You know, you can think back on your own life, I'm sure, and I don't know what you can think that makes a change in your life as much as what Calvary did. You know, I can remember back in my own particular youth, I can remember whenever uh, I got papers from Uncle Sam saying that uh, my number was coming up in the draft. This is back during the days of the Vietnam War. And so, naturally, I ran to the local recruiting office and was all unexcited about those days. But it made an impact, those seven years that I spent with the Army. And uh, it, it teaches you how to do some things. You, uh, you kind of straighten up. You really kind of go from being a child to being an adult man. Military has a way of straightening you up like that. But boy, the change that took place in my heart when Calvary crossed my path. When I come face to face with the Savior that loved me and went to a cross and died for me, Boy, what Jesus did and what he's done for each one of us. Do you remember what Calvary did for you? Did the old things pass away? Have all things become new? Only Jesus can do stuff like that. Lean on you through the bad times. And through the storm, I've leaned on you through the good times. When it's cold, you keep me warm. Well, here I am now, once again, Lord, needing someone to see me through. If I lean on you Through rough waters, you've 
kept me safe in the stormy seas and in those moments when i was hurting lord you were always there to comfort me oh you've been so faithful all of my life lord now to me that's nothing new oh so i know once again number one after you get saved lean on the Lord is that right because if you don't learn to lean on him right away you're going to lean on to your own understanding and what is that going to do for you it's going to take you down the wrong road isn't it I may never journey far on the face of this earth and when I pass my wealth may be just a few small pennies worth and this old name that i've known by may not be mentioned by great kings but all is well if they remember 
For when they looked, oh, they beheld him. And when I spoke, they could hear him. And when I'd walk, my every footstep led them all to Calvary. Give someone else this worldly fame. But when someone speaks his name, let them recall they first saw him in me. For when they looked, oh, they beheld him. And when I spoke, they could hear him. And when I'd walk, my every footstep led them all. worldly fame but when someone speaks his name let them recall they first saw him in me a bowl of cherries life may be But some have only known the awful taste of bitter seeds. For them the sun is never shining, and the birds they never sing. Lord, grant it be, they'll find in me all these things. For when they worldly fame but when someone speaks his name let them recall they first saw him in me oh let the whole world see Jesus in me share it's amazing how the Lord works last week when uh, Tim was preaching and uh, the message that he brought on evil <clears throat> pardon me for just a second but uh, it's it's it just flabbergasts me sometimes how God uses things and at the same time he's working with somebody else he's working with you on the same on the exact same thing and it happened just now. Because as, uh, as Tim brought his message last week, I had to come to him after uh, church and uh, told him, I says, Tim, you're not going to believe this, but uh, the message that you brought this morning is almost word for word, even including the notes that the Lord had been working with me for the last two weeks. 
and I could have went over to my Bible, and I've still got them. I've saved them. I'm saving them for another day. But that's amazing how the Lord takes two people, and if for some reason it was supposed to be me to bring last week's message, that the exact same message would have came across. Maybe said just a little bit differently, but in essence, the same thing. And just before I got ready to sit down here just a minute ago, I started to ask Becky sing the Bowl of Cherry song. Now, if that isn't the Lord working, I don't know what is. But the Lord does work in mysterious ways. And hopefully it's the way that the Lord is working on you today. It's no less mysterious. You know, I couldn't understand whenever I was sitting in a congregation on a Friday night at my mom's request, come to revival. And the Lord moved upon me. I didn't go to church to get saved. It was the farthest thing from my intention. My, the first thing, I, it was Friday night. I had a tank full of gas and a hot rod, and I wanted to go find some girls. That was what was on my mind. But the Lord had something else that was on his mind. The Lord moved upon me. I stepped out, and I haven't been the same since. Don't want to go back to the old ways. Old things pass away. All things become new. I love Jesus Christ, and I hope it, he's got that kind of influence on your life. Amazing how that the same old stories that have been around for thousands of years, same old excuses that's been around for thousands of years, still being used today. If you got your Bibles, if you want to open them up to Hebrews chapter 11, I'll take a key verse from Hebrews 11 and verse 7. And here it tells us that uh, by faith, Noah being warned of God, a thing not yet seen moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world and being the heir of righteousness, which is by faith. You know, as we look at 
Noah and his life a little bit. It's amazing how that Noah has been uh, so popular over the years. As a matter of fact, probably some of your nurseries have got Noah's and his ark in them. It's a real popular thing. If you ask a lot of people in the world who are some of the people that you know in the Bible, Noah's one of those names that pops up. Noah's a real popular kind of guy. It's sad then to know about how important as Noah was that also his life somewhat became a shipwreck a little later on. We don't talk too much about Noah's shipwreck. We talk more about how it is that Noah's life changed the entire world. Because as we read here, it says, by faith, Noah being warned of God. How many times is it in our own lives that we have been warned of God of things not yet seen? You know, the stories today is, is not much different than it was back then. Whenever you look at the, the life today, you hear preachers talking about the coming of the Lord and how it's soon coming. And you hear us talk about rapture from time to time, especially if you come to this church very often, rapture is a real popular subject. We love talking about because I think we all, to a degree, anticipate it with a great deal of anticipation. And just as Ryan and Dana come up here and somewhat mocked the preaching of Noah in those days, it was very much like that. And you know, even the way that the mocking was done back then, it's a whole lot like that today. There's perhaps some of you that are sitting here in the congregation this morning that the Lord has dealt with you time and time and time again, yet for some reason you choose to laugh it off and not come forth and come to know Christ. So just as his name, Noah, has been associated with this great catastrophe that's in the Bible, at the same time that flood made his name somewhat immortal. Noah's faith in God saved the human race. You know, you and I are here today because of Noah's faith. Everybody here that's living on this earth today is here because of Noah's faith. One man led to you being here today for this most part. But the fact that uh, Noah had faith also brought condemnation upon those that were ungodly in his time. And his faith condemned their unbelief. Noah appears in the Bible, if you want to go back now to Genesis chapter 6. Noah appears in the Bible at a time whenever uh, the world is dark in sin. And it wouldn't take much of a study in the early parts of Genesis to see that it was pretty bad. And maybe in some ways it might seem that it was worse then than it is now. However, whenever you walk outside the doors of this church, you walk out to the streets and you walk down to the malls and you walk wherever it is that you tend to go, you don't have to listen to too many people around you, and uh, they're not too godly, are they? People don't have a lot of conversation about the Lord and how good the Lord's been to them. In fact, you find uh, foul language coming out of their mouth for the most part. You find people that are living in all kinds of ways. In Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5 says, God saw that wickedness of man, that it was great in the earth, and that every imagination of this thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Evil continually. That's a sad thing to think that our hearts are evil continually. Do you remember back what it was like before you come to know Christ as your Savior? Was your heart pretty much evil continually? Was you thinking of some new way to find a little bit of pleasure that would last for a minute? Or 
or maybe just a little bit longer. And it, and it did. It lasted for a short period of time, but it didn't last long before the newness would wear off and whatever. We read down into verse 11 then. It says there, Then the world also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. The earth was filled with violence. You know, violence always accompanies moral corruption. And if you begin to think about it, that's what leads to spiritual decline. Violence always accompanies moral corruption. If we were to take a trip down into the parts of Cincinnati that you don't like to travel and venture very much, and if you've had opportunity to go through those places from time to time, you would see that not only is the crime rate very high, but the moral decay that's in those places is equally as bad. And they always seem to go hand in hand. And whenever you find the crimes and the violence, moral corruption, there's always spiritual decline right there. The crimes in this country should really cause us to begin to think about uh, that condition that we're living in today. Whenever we begin to look around the world and we hear in the news so much about things to the church world is somewhat putrid when you begin to think about the homosexuality or you think about the murder, you think about the abortion, you think about all these issues that seem to be so dreadful and terrible to those people that know Christ as their personal Savior. Yet on the outside, it's everyday occurrence. It doesn't really seem to be anything at all. But the crimes in this country should begin to think about just the condition of where this country is headed. And the fact that it seems to lack the kind of faith that Noah had really shows us that maybe this nation is come to a place where it's forgotten God. You know, nations a lot of times have not fallen by the mere fact of a more powerful army that has come in and has overthrown their nation. Rome didn't fall from uh, an army coming in to overthrow them from anybody else. They fell from the moral decay from within. And this nation is headed to the place that if it doesn't turn back toward God, if this nation can't get its heart back bent toward God and repent, then it's headed down that same road of moral decay. But it says in this place that uh, in the midst of this wickedness in Noah's day that uh, there was a man who did live a godly life. His name was Noah. Noah found grace in the eyes of God. Sometimes it's hard to live a righteous and godly life, don't you think? Isn't it hard to live a life like that sometimes? When all your buddies want to uh, get you to go do something else or uh, maybe you got the wrong buddies. Maybe it's your friends at work that you think are friends sometimes that are, their influence is being a little bit more than it should be on your life. You know, the Bible teaches us that we are to come out and to be different. We are in this world, but we're not of this world. That's hard to understand sometimes because, you know, it's easy in this life, and in particular in days like today with uh, being able to buy a nice home or a nice car and uh, be able to have designer clothes on you and your children, that the world makes it easy for us to conform to the world. It really does. And even the church world has almost got to that. It's, it's, uh, in some ways, it's harder today than it was ever before. You know, one conviction after another has been torn down, even within the church. Um, immorality is even okay, sometimes even in the church. You say, well, I don't believe that. 
well, if you don't have to watch, uh, look back over the last 20 years within the church world. And it's sad to say, but some of the great church leaders that have had great influence upon members of the congregation who have for one reason or another allowed the things of this world to come into their life. Maybe God allowed them to fall so that you won't have to. Did you ever think of that? Sometimes we put some people in such a high place and we lift them so high that um, that becomes your God, so to speak. When we look back at people in their lives, we have to learn that we can't trust or we can't put our faith, maybe is a better way to say it. We can't put our faith in people. Our faith has to be in one, and that's in Jesus Christ and Him crucified. You know, whenever we look at this and we can, uh, we can actually, we can learn, I believe that this from uh, God is warning. God's warning, just as Dana made mention that it's going to rain. He's been preaching that for 100 years. You know, sometimes you hear preachers preach the same thing over and over and over again. Sometimes you go to a Bible study and they talk about the same things over and over and over again. And to those that hear it, sometimes it becomes mundane, I guess. It becomes monotonous. And it's like, I want something new, I want something fresh. And so a lot of times the preacher or sometimes the teacher will try to look for something new to teach or to preach. But yet this word is as old as anything that we have in recorded history. And sometimes whenever we look for that, and we're all the time looking for something that uh, uh, we should understand, I think, that God always sends out a warning before the announcement of a coming doom. You know, you hear about doom and gloom preachers sometimes, or you hear about doom and gloom teachers. I guess perhaps we've even been accused of that sometimes. Because uh, even uh, like in our Thursday night Bible study, uh, it's, it's like, no, it doesn't seem like, no matter what subject we get on to studying, it seems like a lot of part that's in that class, they want to go back and they, they're, they want to talk about the second coming of Christ. It's real popular in our Thursday night class. They want to talk about it a lot. And that's good because even though I enjoy teaching about uh, the, the second coming of Christ, at the same time, uh, to believe it or not, Revelation is probably not my favorite book. Go figure. Um, the book of Hebrews and Romans are probably my two favorite books, if I was to say favorite books in the Bible. And I've really enjoyed this, week, uh, this, this quarterly uh, that we've had in our Sunday school. This, uh, this time because uh, half of it is, comes out of the book of Hebrews. And as we look, take this morning's message, it also comes out, at least getting a start in faith. Because God's judgment always comes after his pleading with the Holy Spirit. Look back on your life, and those of you, can you remember the day that uh, the Holy Spirit tugged upon your heart? That, can you remember the day, can you recall the day when the Lord saved you? Can you? Is it fresh within your heart? Is it grown cold? Has it to come to the place in your life that uh, it doesn't really matter anymore? Because if it's come to that, then uh, we need to be making another step back toward God. God told Noah, he said, my spirit will not always strive with man. 
He'd been patient with the sin and the ungodliness of men. God's been patient with you and I. Did you know that? God's long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God is patient. And sometimes when I think about the patience of God, and I think about how long-suffering he is, why in the world did he wait around for me on that Friday night to come to know him as my Lord and Savior? I'll never know. But he loved me enough to continue to deal with me. And he loves you in the exact same way. God's been patient with countries. God's been patient with nations. And he's been patient with people. But the time comes when the hour will come when his pleadings and his warnings will stop. And that gives way to judgment. And that's one of the reasons, I think, that why whenever we, in our Thursday night study, we talk about uh, the second coming of Christ. Because you see, uh, there's one place in Hebrews that talks about that uh, we are to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together so much more as you what? See the day approaching. As you see the day approaching. Well, what is it that we're supposed to see approaching? It's the second coming of Christ. Because if we as a body of Christ love the Lord and we anticipate his coming, we should look forward to that with great anticipation. That's the next big event on the calendar for you and I. So whenever we study the Bible and we look and we uh, can understand the things that pertain to his return, it behooves us all as the body of Christ to come get just a little bit closer to him, to pray, to make sure that our hearts are right before God so that as we live this life that we will be prepared because he says in another place that he'll come the second time for them who love his appearing. There's a lot of Christians I think don't, aren't really in love with the appearing of Jesus Christ. Did you know that? There's a lot of Christians, I think, that I've got too much to do. I've got too many things. I've got too much on my agenda of life. I can recall the days back in testimony to a young lady that was a Christian, and um, we were talking about that very subject, and uh, she didn't want the Lord to come back yet because she hadn't experienced childbirth yet. She wanted to go through that. She wanted to be able to raise a child, she wasn't even married yet at the time. And she wanted to get married. She wanted to do all those things that, that you want to do. And a lot of you young people perhaps maybe feel the same way. I want to experience those things in life. And those things are good. Don't get me wrong, they are. But the first love in our life should be that whenever the Lord comes that we be ready to meet him. Regardless, because you see, it doesn't matter. Whenever it is it comes back, there's going to be some young people. There's going to be some teenagers. There are going to be some middle-aged. And there are going to be some old people. What happened when the days of Noah? There were some children that are being born. There were some teenagers that were going about looking for a wild party at Chris and April's house. There were some things that were going on in life that just is no different than it is today. So you and I, as we live our day, uh, everyday life, we go about it. Hopefully it's in the back of our mind that if today the Lord comes, I'm ready to go. But if not, then I'll wait till tomorrow or whenever it is. The Bible tells us that, the, uh, well, it leads us to believe that the, probably one of the major fault within the church world, within the church world today, is the unwillingness to believe what the Bible says and how by you, whereby you must be saved. You see, there is no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved than by than Jesus Christ. No man can come to the Father but by me, it says. And the Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sin. 
So, as Noah had been the main focus in laughter and ridicule in those days, it all started when he built an ark. He began to build the ark. You know, he, his uh, days were to be 120 years, the Bible tells us. In those days, it had not yet rained. Kind of like, unlike what's been around here for the last couple weeks. But it had not yet begun to rain. And so for whenever somebody comes along and says, you know, you need to get right because the Lord's going to send the rain. And for 100 years, 120 years, it's the same message. It's the same message that the preachers preach today. It's the same message that the teachers teach today. You must be born again. It doesn't change. So what is it that we're looking for? Are you trying to find a new way to get to heaven? Are we trying to find some way to get there other than by the cross? Because you see, there is no other way. So if you're looking for another way, well, you've come to the wrong church because we're not going to show you something else. You can look, you can laugh with them. Some may sit here to laugh at the message or that you must be born again. But you must be born again. It's as simple as that. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, some might say, well, where's the promise of his coming? They've been saying that for 100 years. I can remember when I first got saved, they were talking about his coming. And they were talking about it years and years before I got saved. They were talking about the Lord's coming. But one of these days, he's coming back. He is coming back. And as we see the times draw closer, as we begin to see the signs of the times, lets us know that we're even that much more closer. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 37. I'm going to tell you this much, that the judgment of God is at hand. It's not that far down the road because it tells us in Matthew 24 and verse 37 that it says, As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. For as the days before the flood came, they were eating, drinking, married, giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and took them all away. And the flood came and took them all away. People laughed at Noah. Today people laugh at the Holy Spirit. And it's sad to think that, but... Um, Whenever the trump of God sounds and the rapture occurs and the body of Christ has disappeared from the face of the earth, you won't be laughing then. If you think about it for just a minute, if we were to take the next few moments and just say, it's over. If I was to say to Mike, Mike, stand at the door back there and don't let anybody out. The judgments come. Where would you be? Where would you be? If it ended that quick, and it's going to end that quick, in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together in the clouds to be with the Lord, and so shall we ever be. That quick, it can happen. You don't have the promise of tomorrow. You have now to make your decision for Christ. Noah had courage. Courage to be laughed at. And don't tell me that uh, if you've been living this life as a Christian very long that you've not suffered any kind of persecution. If you've had a testimony in your workplace or if you've had a testimony anywhere outside the body of Christ here that you haven't had to suffer some persecution being a Christian. I remember, and I've used the illustration several different times, 
and I'll just say it again, that I can remember back when I first come to know Christ as my personal Savior. Worked in a machine shop. And uh, the machine shop boys, we, we were a pretty close bunch of guys. And we would do things after work. And so when I come to know Christ as my personal Savior on that Friday night, and Monday morning come back in to uh, tell the boys what happened, that's when it all started. They couldn't understand the change that took place in my heart. And so for a few years, I tried to stay around them, try to witness to them. But I wasn't strong enough. So I signed a job posting. I thought, well, I'll sign this job posting. I'll get into a different part of the plant, and I can go around and be with some different kinds of guys, and I can begin to let my light shine there. And so I did. And so from when I got from that one place, and you get over to another part of the plant, and you begin to let your light shine for the Lord and let people know how you are, well, then you can begin to uh, walk a new walk. And you don't have the old boy. It was enough time to let me grow in the Lord, to let me get past those initial stages. And sometimes we have to do drastic things in our life like that whenever we make a change for the Lord. Because, you see, the Lord made such a change in me, I knew it was real. And I wasn't going to lose it for anything. And I wanted to hang on to this because, you see, for the first time in my life, I realized I had a hold of the best thing this side of life had to offer. You know, what's, what's better than knowing Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? You know, this life, I've got 50, 60 years. I'm, I'll be 55 in February. If we was to look at time, probably two-thirds of my life is over. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm over the hump now, and I'm going downhill. If, if time has its way. What have I got left? You know, if I get to be 70, I've got maybe 15 years. 75, 25 years. What am I going to do with the rest of it? I'm going to do my best for Jesus Christ. And it, the Bible talks about, uh, you know, that whenever we stand before him and when we give the account of the things that we have done in this life, I hope there's a few things that I can offer him that will be pleasing unto him. You know, Jesus Christ made such a change in my life. And I know he's made such a change in your life because, you see, I know some of you people from where you came from. And I see what Jesus Christ has done in your heart. And there's nothing to go back to. That first moment when we took that first step out of the aisle, we've heard it said in the past, I've come too far to look back. That first moment, whenever you began to step out, whenever I, uh, the Lord worked on me that Friday night, and, uh, and I've, I've told this in time in the past, you've seen the, the cartoons where you had the little good angel and the little bad angel sitting on your shoulder. And they're whispering your, do this, no, do that, do this, no, do that. It was kind of like that. Can you remember back whenever you were getting ready to make that decision for the Lord? Should I go forth or should I not go forth? Will I have to give up my buddies? Will I have to quit doing this? Will I have to quit doing that? The moment I took the first step, and I couldn't even remember walking down the aisle, all I know is somehow I got from that point to this point, and I knelt at an altar, and Jesus Christ filled my heart, and I felt so clean that moment. I, I've never experienced anything like that in life. I knew that I'd passed from death into life. And he can do that for each one of us. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, he can change your life in a way that you can't even begin to fathom. He'll change it in a way and have you doing things you never thought you'd ever do. Places that you thought you'd never go, you'll find yourself going. Saying things to people that you never thought you'd ever say. If you could, uh, if, did I, you ever think that I thought that I would be in a place like this when I first come to know Christ as my personal Savior? No way. I've told in the past that if I got up in front of them in the school classroom, 
to try to give a report. I'd rather take a bad grade than get up in front. And get up in front of a bunch of you people and talk about the Lord. Only the Lord can do that. I can't do it. Because if Jesus Christ isn't in it, then it's only yourself. If someone would come forth to uh, sing a song. Sue, can you do that? Sing us a song of invitation. It would be wonderful to think that after the flood was over and the waters had abated and that uh, everything would be okay between God and man. God had made a covenant with the earth. At that time frame, he set a bow as a sign. And you won't see that rainbow on a sunny day. You won't see that rainbow on a sunny day. It's only after a storm goes by and the clouds get between the sun that you will see a rainbow. The most wonderful experiences that we have sometime in God's mercy and his love is after we've been through a trial in life. You know, sometimes we go through things in life, whether it be on a personal level, whether it be on a physical level, whether it be on a spiritual level. Sometimes God takes us out of one place and takes us to another place, and we don't understand why is God doing that. But God's doing it. If we let God be God and we follow him, he'll lead God. After all, don't you pray, Lord, lead God and direct my footsteps? Whenever you get up in the morning, I hope the first thing you do is begin to call upon the Lord and ask him to lead your footsteps for the day. And Lord, if there be something in my pathway, Lord, raise up a standard that I don't have to walk in. You know, everybody in this life has something that causes you to be weak. It can be all kinds of things in this life. In Genesis chapter 7, in verse 1, it tells us, Come thou and all that's in thy house into the ark. The ark was a symbol somewhat of salvation. There's a degree of safety in this place around God's people. And whenever we can get into this place where we become part of the chosen, we'll be ready whenever the Lord comes. The Bible says, he still says today, says, Come all you that are laboring, heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. The ark was built by a carpenter. His name was Noah. However, at the same time, there is another ark that was built by another carpenter. He was from Nazareth. His name was Jesus. Jesus built a way for you and I to come to know salvation and to accept salvation. It's all staying. If you don't know Christ as your personal Savior this morning, if you have a special need, the altars are open. And by all means, come forward, come to know Christ.
spite of the storm. You know, there's a degree of difficulty I think it's built in. A degree of difficulty that's been built in to the simplicity of the gospel. Sometimes it's so simple, it's difficult to accept. If it could be by a, a means of works, of what I could do or not do, it'd be a whole lot easier to do it. But the Bible just simply lets it be known unto us that if you come to the saving faith of Jesus Christ and believe upon Him, and with the mouth confession is made into salvation, it tells us, it can't get any simpler than that. But yet for some people it becomes so difficult that they can't accept that walk. You know, there are two ways that God shows man that he's about to bring judgment upon the earth. Number one, it's by faithful preaching. And number two, it's by fulfilled prophecy. And you say perhaps, well, there was no prophecy back in the days of Noah. Well, there was. Because you see, there was a man that lived to be the oldest man on earth. His name was Methuselah. You know, his name means when I die, it shall come. Talking about the deluge, the flood. And you look at the, uh, the early men of the Gospels, and particularly in Genesis, in the account of the flood, their very name means that whenever the uh, forecasting the time of the end of the, uh, the flood, the Bible study would bring that information out a little bit clearer than what I'm trying to tell you this morning. But at the same time, if you don't know Jesus Christ, and if you haven't put your heart and trust into that anchor, it'll hold you. It'll hold you in the storms of life come. And just as Noah's flood came and rained for 40 days and 40 nights, that's a pretty tough storm to endure. Sometimes a storm in this life, you think you can't get through the next day because of the things that you're going through in life. But you can if you put your trust in Jesus. You can make it through the anchor holes. As they sing another voice and chorus, come forth.